0: Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show.
1: This is your host, Mike Abadir, and I'm alongside Gino Bacola, and we've got a great show for you as usual, and I'm going to try to give this a sh- shot here, Gino. We have Dave, ice cold, Exacta yeah, Weaver with you, us you today. Aren't, you weren't excited. It's
2: ice. Goal! Exacta. Gotta, My voice gotta, is just gotta, too deep to get that high, but I love it. Another level there. you there. got to get yours, another Yours level. is you a lot better be than a, mine. Shadow! <laughs> another one of those, too. Either one. That, that's the key. you got to be loud and loud and loud. And We're going to bring in a uh, good friend, Dave Weaver, in just a second. One slight rant before we bring Dave in. We, we saw an awesome basketball game last night between uh, the 76ers playing the Lakers. They were playing here at Staples Center. Joel Embiid actually had... One of the best games you may ever see. 46 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists, 7 blocks. He did it on 14 of 20 shooting. So he scored 46 points on 20 shots. He was 16 of 19 from the free throw line. He made a couple threes as well. And this was just an incredible game, Mike, to kind of give you a little flash into the future. But the one thing that pissed me off all night long, right? Embiid's having this incredible game. Simmons is having this great game. But if you're just listening to the game and not watching, you would have thought the Lakers were down by 50 the whole night. Honestly, the o- the whole conversation is Embiid and Simmons. And every time Embiid has you know scores a bucket, makes a great move. Here comes Brandon Ingram, right back down the other way with a bucket. He scored 26 and 11. And then Kuzma, he also had his career high. He had 24. So awesome game. They were a little, a little. I mean, Embiid's awesome, but with Embiid, he's always been talented, Mike. The key with Embiid isn't talent, it's health. You know, that, that what is, is it? What is it like 40
1: games played in four years?
2: Yeah. You know, and, and you got to remember, like, people were ripping on Lonzo and they're comparing him. But this is Joel Embiid's fourth year in the NBA. This is Simmons' second year in the NBA. You compare those guys a little bit more to Brandon Ingram, who's taken a big step this year. There was a lot of young talent on the floor. I'm excited. I think this is kind of a little rivalry that we'll have developed now for the next few years. Do we actually play Philly? I say we all the time when I'm talking about the teams. When I say we, I'm I'm talking Lakers, Dodgers, Trojans, and... uh The Lakers will play Philly again coming up soon in a couple weeks. So a fun little rivalry that's developing.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, another one before we get to Dave is I'm really excited for the Celtics and Warriors. I mean, I usually don't get into NBA in November, December, usually until the All-Star break is when I really get into it. But last night's game was probably the first Lakers game that I watched from beginning to end. Thought it was a great game, like he said. Tonight's Celtics Warriors game should be a great game. A Quick congrats to the AL and NL Cy Young award winners, Kluber and Scherzer, both very well deserving. I know that you were probably hoping for, uh, for your boy Kershaw.
2: You know what? It wasn't a Kershaw year though. He didn't. He, he was hurt a couple times. Scherzer deserved it this year. He he was his year. He was he was better during the regular season, and and he honestly deserved it. So he, he that, that doesn't bother me.
1: And you yeah. know what I'm hoping for tonight, by the way, with the MVP awards. I'm hoping that we see, for the first time since 1979, co-MVPs. You
2: want to split. I know you want to split. That year
1: there was Stargell and Hernandez. I think this year it would be great to have the tallest guy in the bigs <laughs> and the shortest guy It'd in the great bigs. Picture. But It'd wouldn't, great that picture, awesome? wouldn't
2: that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? And Stanton should get it in
1: the NL. So those are our quick opening thoughts.
2: And we will bring in our guests for today, our first guest for today, good friend of mine. I had the privilege of working with Dave at TVG For uh, the five-plus years that I was there, I did a a show that Mike Joyce produced called The Vig, where Dave and I were co-hosts on Sunday mornings going over each week's football games, breaking down the betting lines. Dave and I have uh, gone on a couple trips together. We went to Presque Isle. I think, Dave, is that where you and I kind of became close when we went to Presque Isle, and you and I were really... We were up late. It was the first week of football. We were watching that second Monday night game. We were out at a bar at like one o'clock in the morning in Pennsylvania, we were getting nice and toasty, and we were sharing some real D-Gen stories. Is that where you and I really got close? No, I mean, I I think we were closer even even before that, just, you know, being in the studio together and things
3: like that. But, you know, anytime you go out... To uh, Quaker Steak and Lube and have a few beers together. Yeah, that'll, that'll oh, that Oh, that was
2: I gotta cross that off my <laughs> list. That was one of mine to talk about the Lubinades <laughs> with you, right? But on the uh, on the menu, we were at Quaker Steak and Lube, and we just got such a kick out of the fact that one of the pages had lube. It said Lubinades. So if you, when you're at Quaker Steak and Lube, you got to have some lemonade. So they have all the different flavored <laughs> lemonades. So that's a nice uh, a nice inside joke we have. Dave, what's going on, man? Uh, let us know. What are you up to right now? No, well, I mean, why don't you just talk about two more meaningless
3: basketball games and my segment will be over. Gino, nobody cares about the Lakers. Come on.
2: God, Dave, <laughs> you know they do. Gosh, come on, man. Wow. With Lonzo Ball, everybody wants to talk about the Lakers, whether or not they're good or bad. Everybody's polarizing. Uh, I mean, even his brother just got out of China right now. So <laughs> there's so much uh, so much going on with the balls. You just drove down to Del Mar, right? So you're going to be working. Uh, you're going to be working where the turf meets the surf today. I just pulled into the parking lot right off of Via de la Valle, one of my
3: favorite exits in, in all of driving up and down, you know, whatever freeway in the world. That Via de la Valle exit still makes me feel like a kid in the candy store when I get off and know that I'm going to Del Mar. So, yeah, I'll be here all week for TVG. Oh, I got, I got a Lakers shirt for you, by the way, speaking of Lakers, because I went to a game last year with a friend, and it was a giveaway night. So it's still hanging in my closet, but I, I really haven't seen it too much since then. So next time I see you, I'll
2: give you that paper shirt. Okay, I'll, I'll take it from you. Uh, Dave, let, let's start at the very beginning. So what, what are some of your first gambling memories or horse racing memories? Was it, were you first interested in gambling and then it got into horse racing? Was it horse racing at the beginning? Tell us a little bit about how you got your start and becoming one of the all-time greatest degenerates.
3: Well, I thought I was sick until I met you, and now I feel a lot better about myself. Um, so I grew up in Los like, literally, Cyprus was the city I was born in, and that's the, the, the city where Los Alamitos Racecourse is located. So I grew up about maybe like a half a mile from the track. So I was going there when I was, you know, my, my, I know, I remember my dad used to take me. He passed away, unfortunately, when I was nine. But a lot of people that, that I would go with even before that, knew that I liked the track. So I ended up going with like friends, dad and stuff when I was like 10, 11, 12. By the time I was 13, I don't even need an adult because I knew the trick of following any random uh, stranger in and saying, oh, I'm with him. And then just going under the turnstile. Because if you're under 18 with a, you know, with a paid adult, you're free. So that was one trick that would get me in when I was like 13, 14. And by the time I was in high school, I I would basically be going to the track Whenever they're racing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's just a passion of mine. So, yeah, the gambling and the horse racing were all kind of one and the same. When when I went to the track, I'd love to make a few bets, obviously. And when you're that young, too, you know, you're 11 years old and you win 10 bucks, and you can go to the cafeteria the next morning at school and buy, like, the powdered donuts and the chocolate donuts, that's like Oof. a four.
2: Oh, gosh, you're real popular then. And, uh, and then you, you started doing some work at Hollywood Park years back right you even drew like the, the pace pals and you would you would do stuff by hand that would go in the program
3: Well yeah the, the, the first race track job I had I was um, basically the editor or assistant to making the program the pocket program so I would input you know the morning line odds type in the owner's silk do the page layouts put some ads in there and then part of it was, do an analysis like a, like a handicap at the end of the front. Give your top three picks with a couple of paragraphs. So it kind of got me on my way to, to becoming a public handicapping figure, so to speak.
1: Now, Dave, you were you got into real estate for a while, right?
3: Yeah, I was uh, doing uh, loans, so not on the real estate side, but on the uh, on the financial side. Which which you do need your real estate license for that. But I was doing that. Prior to TVG, and even while TVG um, had me at night at Los Al, I was literally not doing anything during the day, so to support my gambling habit, I tried to make more money doing uh, doing that, too, and it, and it worked for a few years until that, that big crash that happened in, I think it was about 2006, 2007, but I, I haven't dabbled in it since then. I've just been doing TVG the last 10 years or so. Couldn't
1: do you know, any more option arms with three points on the back anymore, huh?
3: 100%
2: stated income, <laughs> stated assets. It's funny, that, that's like Called most of the people, most people that don't know gambling that turn it on, that's what like Greek sounds to them. That's Greek to me, you know? So, so <laughs> I had absolutely no idea what language you guys are speaking right there. And Dave, you know, in the last, honestly, something that Mike and I were talking about yesterday and you, something that you and I have talked about quite a bit, for a while, everybody knew you really as the guy on the quarters, but in the last year, year and a half or so, you've really expanded. I mean, you've they've had you go to the Preakness the last couple of years. Um, you've ha- you've been out to what you've been out to Delta. You've been out to Presque Isle. You've been going to Keeneland a little bit. You're at Del Mar now. And this past summer had to have been, as long as I've known you, at least the best, maybe month or two that you've ever had in your, as far as your handicapping and your on-air gambling is concerned. It seemed like every pick-five ticket you were putting up was hitting. They were all, you know, nice return on investments, too. It seemed like you were really seeing the ball well.
3: Well, that was like the summer meet at Del Mar, and I'm yep. trying to carry that into the, uh, the the fall meet here. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I was at Los Al literally every week for 15 years, probably, and Convenient. I still live right there, and, and it's nice. But once I got a chance to start doing some of the other big events, I started, as you know, trying a little harder, you know, because at Lowe's, I could just go up and same horses every night, really, and um, over and over again. But when I w- was doing Del Mar, I needed to study harder, so I knew um, what I was talking about, other than... Los out I, I don't know the other circuits as well, so I put I put more work in, and it, and it paid off. And you know, I think that's a big lesson. You know, you do the work, you, you should get rewarded. Another thing is when you're on the road and you're in a hotel rather than you're at home, and you got a lot of other distractions going on. It's going to family be, you and your kids and stuff like that too. Yeah, clear to your mind and watch a few more replays. Yeah, so that that has a lot to do with it too. I think, but just working a little harder.
2: I actually told Mike that I made you better. I told Mike that because of how hard I work, you saw that, and it made you a better handicapper. So I take all the credit for that. I hope you, uh, I hope you understand that, Dave. There's, there's
3: plenty of mirroring that you could take into that. Yeah. No, nobody does more than you. I mean, you, you, you pour everything out into your hand, handicapping. So I'm And, not and nobody's more either. humble.
2: Nobody's more humble either than <laughs> I am. So we can, uh, we can definitely uh, say that. And, and let's talk, before we get into some of this week's uh, NFL games, Let's talk a little bit about a, a story that you told me. This is a great story. Uh, when you were in Vegas with your friend, he had a good winning day. He's a little tired. He's about to go to sleep. Tell me this story that you've told before and, and had me rolling on the ground. This is a true story. When you know, like you, you said to me earlier, you know that some of us degenerates are just, we're just wound a little differently than other people. This is something other people would never even think about doing. <laughs> what happened that one night in Vegas?
3: Well, he had, he actually wasn't even having a winning day. He he had a parlay alive. This is back in the day. I think they still do it. When You know, the Hawaii game is the last game on the board at like nine thirty or something. So he had like a three team or a four teamer ending to Hawaii, and it was going to be worth like eleven hundred dollars or something. He had he had a ticket. I was twenty two, I think he's probably like twenty five when our young twenties were staying at the Stardust or some dive, you know. So yeah, he's tired. He passes out at halftime. They're winning. And I'm like, wow, if they win, you know, and I'm broke. Believe me, this is like the, the it's a three-day trip, and this is the first day. That's how I do it. I just tap out. I just have no patience. So, so I'm broke, and I'm thinking if this team wins, and there's $1,100 laying on this table, and he's asleep, there ain't no way in hell I'm going to sleep in Vegas at midnight if there's $1,100 right there. So anyways, they win. I figure I'll borrow a hundred from him. You know, put a thousand back when he wakes up. He's happy that they won. He didn't even know if they won or lost. So, so I go down. I cash the ticket. I lose the hundred. Well, I ain't going back up. Now I got nothing. Now I lose another hundred. Lose another hundred. Now I start to sweat. Now I'm down like three or four hundred of his money. Long story short, I lose it all. Lose it all is probably one in the morning. Don't even know how to go back up and tell him. And I'm walking through, this is uh, back in the day where they actually did have the 25-cent slot machine still. So I'm walking from the blackjack table towards the elevator, and I reach in my pocket, and I have 75, there's three quarters, I don't even, the parlay probably paid 1175 cents. There's three quarters in my pocket. Sit DJ and I am thinking, well, if I can turn 75 into $5, I know that that's the minimum to play blackjack, and maybe I can get hot. Who thinks that way? I don't know. Degenerates. <laughs> so I put 75 cents in the thing and get like a cherry. I know that this story sounds so made up because slot machines these days don't even have cherries anymore. They're all computer and you can't put quarters. But this is so long ago. Put three quarters in. I, I won like $1.50. I got $5. Somehow I got to five. I think bar, bar and cherry. Got to five dollars cashed out. My my dream is alive. Until you're down to nothing, I guess you got hope. I went back to the blackjack table with five dollars. Swear to God, Gino. I probably won nineteen hands in a row. I made thirteen thousand uh, dollars. Seventy-five cents.
2: Wow. <sighs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and I, I've heard this story a few times and it, it's always is exciting. And this and the one thing that Mike Joyce has said and and I agree with it completely. If you had a buck and you needed to make a thousand, Dave is the guy you call. But if you have a thousand to bet, you never call Dave. It's it's the one <laughs> or the other, right? he
3: will turn it into but a here's dollar. The one but thing when you... that I I gotta give myself credit for not being the like as big of a degenerate. As time goes on and I realize what happened, I went back up. I could have just given him the I just could have given him eleven hundred and kept the Whatever twelve thousand and change, I told him the whole freaking story. Like, gave him the thirteen thousand. I I gave him the money, and, and I think he ended up splitting it with me. So I screwed myself out of six thousand. But what a nice that's, guy I am in the end, right?
2: And and you know, wow. what? knowing how some how the relationship that you have with some of the people that you hang out with and some of your friends, that's how you are though. I, I will honestly say because that's that's one thing that that us degenerate gamblers are in the same story you talk about stealing a ticket that a guy doesn't know but then you end up giving (laughs) him all back this money you know what I mean like that's what's great about a gambler is that you're you're wound a little differently so when you have nothing you're like you're getting the shakes but then when you have it all you're so giving you know like we're all so so like the two gentlemen that I'm on the line with right now have both in the last couple months had a had an opportunity where like Dave's hit one day and then he's called me and been like I know you've looked at these races so let's put in a pick four and if it hits then we can split it you know and Mike's done the same thing for me and I and I've tried to do the same thing for Dave so like that's what's great with uh, with us gamblers that we're always trying to kind of help each other out when we can and um and Dave you you've got a good group of people right now because in the last year or so you got hooked up with War Story who was just in. Awesome! Fourth in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Tell us a little bit about how that all happened. Yeah, he got beat, I think,
3: a half a length, a third, and four lengths for it all. Well, his owner, Looch Racing, um, really, really good guy, likes to gamble, just like us. And he's, you know, followed TVG and, and always kind of taken a liking to me. So, um, you know, we, we became friends, and I'd followed the war story for like a year or two. Um, he was on the Triple Crown Trail. He he was in the Derby. He lost to American Pharoah. He finished 16th. Um, but before the Breeders' Cup, not this year, but last year, uh, he said, I'd like to, uh, oh, maybe it was even two years ago. I think it was at Sandman. Yeah, it might have been two years ago. Um, he said, you know, I, 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 w- I want you to experience, you know, the, the, the excitement that I am with this horse any he, and he basically let me in on the horse for free, um, and, and made me like a very, very, very small ownership partner, but to me, it, it feels like I own the horse, you know, so every time he runs, I'm, uh, I've got a little bit of added, added interest.
1: What's next uh, for
3: War Story? That, that's a good question, there are certainly a, a lot of options right now, um, with, the, with the race that he ran, you know, should he get an invite to go to Dubai? That's a $10 million race. you got the Pegasus that he's not planning on going in, but if something happened where there was a spot that opens up, you you can't rule that out for, you know, uh, what is that, an eight-figure race now? Um, So it's it's kind of up in the air. There's nothing really in in stone right now.
1: Hey, before we get to commercial, does this Pegasus have longevity? Or is it going to be year by year? I mean... Some years is going to make like sense. Some years it's not, right? It
3: does. There hasn't been a, a, as much talk about it this year as there was last year. At this point, no. I was, you know, definitely we can say that.
2: And and I and I think some years, you know, just like anything, some years there aren't a ton of top handicap horses, or maybe they retire towards the end of the year after the Breeders' Cup, and it's just it, it won't be necessarily the the sexiest race in the world, and that's going to be the problem. Last year there was a little bit more buzz because, as you mentioned, Dave, it was the first time. We've seen it, so I agree. I don't, I don't think it will last. Um, Dave, I know you're at Del Mar. We're going to take a break. When we come back, do you have like five minutes to go rapid fire through some football games? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. We'll take a break then. When we come back, I think we have seven games on the slate. We'll do a uh, little quick hitters. We'll, we'll pick one side of the games, and then whoever loses between you and I, since neither one of us has any money, we'll just bet uh, a beer and a shot. That was always the Mike Joyce bet with me. And you can also tell us you don't really like Mike Joyce, let's be honest, right? You just pretend to on TV? Some days I like him more than others. <laughs> <laughs> on
1: that note, let's, let's take our first commercial break, and we'll be right back with Dave Ice Cold Exacta Weaver in a minute and a half.
2: p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel.
3: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice
4: America Sports.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to mike at show.com Now, back to this week's program. Mike Abadir alongside Gina Bacola and TVG's
1: Dave Weaver. Dave, before we get to some NFL talk, Let me quickly ask you, any chance that we're going to see you on the quarters, maybe uh, for some of Los Al's big races, champion of champions, things of that nature? And then the second part of the question is, how is Les Onaka doing? I know he was on the air about two, three weeks ago, but we haven't seen him much. If you could maybe quickly tell us about that, and then we'll get some NFL stuff.
4: Yeah, it's
3: great to see Les back, uh, at least for a night. Hopefully he can kind of make some of those guest appearances here and there. He's had a lot of... uh health issues over the last few years he's, he's got asthma he's, he has diabetes i think the combination of those two and we're out we're not in the studio either we're out at night there's people you know it's a racetrack there's like cigarette smoke i mean it's, it's not a good uh spot for him so he's kind of been just staying away from the track trying to get better and um and, and i hope that that day comes where he can be back in a, in a regular part of the quarters and then he he has some nerve damage too where it really affected the way that he was getting around, and he just kind of had to slow down. And at one point, he was even using a walker, which which he does not need anymore. I've been told, so that's that's progress. But it has been good. a rough, you know, probably year or two for him. But you know, I'm keeping the faith that he's going to come back and and be a part of the show that you know he and I have basically been on for decade and a half and i'll be back next week i'm, I'm at delmar here this week and then thanksgiving weekend um i'm gonna be at low south that entire week and then yeah i would think the champion champions and the South element is two million they would probably have me down there
1: sounds good well we'll look forward to seeing that and give our best to les love we love les anaka oh, yeah. and hope to see him in good health and uh and, and giving good analysis as he always does okay let's turn our attention to some nfl talk here your beloved pittsburgh steelers are on tonight and uh, before we talk about their matchup, really quickly, do you think that uh, you know that they could take down the Patriots this year? I heard a stat with the uh, uh, Skip Bayless and uh, Shannon this morning that Brady is ten and two against Pittsburgh, and it, since 0-5, twenty-two touchdown passes, zero INTs. What do you think of the Steelers this year?
3: No, oh, I've loved them from the very beginning. But the typical Steelers, we beat the good teams, and we lose. The, the teams that were are supposed to get by, which is what scares me about tonight. Um, you know, Tennessee has actually beaten the Steelers two out of the last three, and the game that the Steelers did win, they only won by three, so everything tells me that Titans is probably the right play tonight getting the touchdown. I'm what do you, you think, Dave? Gino?
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I think seven is too much. I do think the Steelers win. This is a Steelers win by a field goal kind of game to me, but seven is just too much. I mean... Pittsburgh's been beating teams because of their defense and because of their talent, but Ben hasn't really played well all year. And this isn't the same kind of Pittsburgh team that just really outscores you. This is a team that has a great defense. I think it's a low-scoring game. I'm taking the Titans plus the seven.
1: Okay, then let's do some rapid fire here before we let Dave go. Detroit at Chicago. Detroit's minus three.
2: I'm going to go. Go ahead, Dave. The Bears. The Bears. I'm going to go over the 41 in there. These games have been close. It's okay. a division game. Lions are scoring. I'm going to go over the 41.
1: Kansas City at New York Giants. Minus 10 for the Chiefs.
3: Scary Let's go. I love the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are loaded, but something tells me that why do they have to win by that much? You know, Giants going to want to at least save a little bit of face this year with a decent game. I'll take the points. I'll take the Giants.
2: Yeah, the, the, see, this is a game where I, the Chiefs are definitely going to win. Remember Andy Reid off the bye. He's 16-2 and two off the bye. That's one of those crazy stats. But this is a game where, again, I'll go over. The over-under is 45 and a half, so I could see the Chiefs winning this game by 7. I heard somebody talking last night. The only way you bet this game is if you think the Chiefs are going to be up by 18 with two minutes to go because that backdoor touchdown cover could just kill you late. So I, for me, this is a game where I'd play the over. And then, uh, and then our, our next game, we've probably one of the best games of the week. Uh, who would have thought before the beginning of the season that the Vikings and the Rams is one of the best games of this week the Rams are actually plus two who do you go here i love
3: the Rams every week i, I keep playing the Rams and I, I keep coming out ahead they i think still are very um you know underestimated as far as the Vegas line goes just because the the average better is not having the Rams on their radar but until they go into a slump i'm going to Keep playing the Rams.
2: I'm with you. Uh, I'm on the Ramley, and I'm going. This is a game that I would play money line. Also, you you're getting two points. Just turn those two points into a plus one forty and play the game straight up with the Rams. And
3: they're awesome on the road
1: too. Chargers at home, given four and a half against the Bills.
2: Well, see, this is the key. I don't know why Tyrod Taylor is not starting. The Bills have struggled lately, but it's not his fault. He doesn't throw picks. He runs a a good offense. He does what he's supposed to do. Buffalo started this season really, really well, but I I don't know if McDermott has has made a few kind of questionable moves as of late. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm actually going to play the Chargers minus the 4.5 against the rookie QB.
3: Chargers are one of my favorite teams to bet against when they're favored. They almost always choke when they're supposed to win not only will I take the points how about the bills on the money line for my uh, upset of the wow week? i like That's
2: it the wrong team favored i like it uh, big a big game eagles cowboys uh, dallas is hurting right now we saw them just get destroyed on the offensive line last week uh, defensively they have a couple players missing and then zeke is out It's over 49, and the Eagles are actually favored on the road by four. I'm going to go over. I do think the Eagles probably win this game. The four is what scares me because I would much rather have it be three. But I I think the Eagles score a lot in here. I think Dallas will score a little. I think it's going to go over 49, so I'll have a couple overplays this weekend.
3: This is one of those games that Philadelphia can absolutely afford to lose. And they're still in a great spot. I mean, it's not a must win, but I think Dallas has to win here. I like the Cowboys.
1: And then Battle of the Birds, Seahawks, given three. Ah!
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love this game. Who do you like to, you know?
2: Uh, I like Seattle. I, the, the Falcons are not good on the road. Um, Seattle has some issues, some injuries. Sherman last week. But to me, the Falcons just are not the same team on the road. They have not been as good. I think because of the uh, last week's victory, I think people are going to be a little deceived by them. For me, I'm going with the Seahawks.
3: You've, you've had every over until this one. This is one of these games. If your dying grandmother gave you $100 on her deathbed and said, son, whatever you do in life, Spend this hundred dollar wisely. Bet it on
2: the over in the Seahawks game and make her proud. I I, I understand defenses have been struggling. No Sherman. They're going to go back and forth. The Seahawks score
3: seventy five points in this game.
2: Yeah, they could go absolutely back and forth, up and down. So there are seven games. We'll uh, we'll make sure to post all the sides that Dave and I were on, and so that way all the folks out there listening can uh, can hear and play along with us, and or make fun of us when we lose. Well, I'll tell you what, as an NFL agent, obviously I don't dabble
1: in any of the gambling when it comes to NFL or anything like that, but I'll be very very entertained to see who owes who a beer and a shot after this uh, good seven-game sequence here. Dave, super thankful for you joining us. We know that you're up against the clock and have to head into Del Mar to do your thing. Why don't you tell us where we can get a hold of you and follow you and all your you know, social media handles?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm on, uh, on Twitter at icecold. Exactly, and then you can catch me on TVG uh, every day at Del Mar this week and uh, at
1: Motown next weekend. Awesome, my man. Thank you so
2: much. Thanks, DJ I'll you call you it. later. We'll talk some racing for tomorrow because I know you'll actually have a, a few bucks. It's payday.
1: Oh, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right,
1: Dave. Take care, my friend. Thank you. See you,
4: guys. Thanks
1: for having me on. Let's immediately segue to our next guest. He's been on hold for a couple of minutes here. Busy guy. Good friend of mine. He is the assistant coach, football coach, for Southern Utah University. They're having a fantastic season, and I think they're going to make a good playoff run here. Let's welcome in Coach Aaron Fernandez. Aaron, good morning, or good afternoon for you in Utah. How are you, my friend?
4: I'm doing great, Mike. How you doing?
1: Excellent. I'm alongside my co-host, Gino Bacola, and uh, we want to get right to it. Uh, you guys are having a fantastic season. You're first in the big sky, overall record of eight and two conference record of six and one. You guys have won six in a row. You have one final regular season home game left against Northern Arizona should be a good matchup. You guys are feeling good going into this game. And uh, what's, what's been the secret to your success so
0: far?
4: Uh, Yeah, I think we are feeling good going into this game. Uh, We've been obviously uh, chugging along. I think the success has come from our players approach to every week we have just been focusing on going 1 and 0 uh had a setback earlier in the year i think uh obviously uh, uh kind of woke everyone up and uh kind of we started focusing on the little details and the process of things and so we've been uh fortunate enough to put us uh, ourselves in this position uh, to play for a conference championship and uh, some implications in the playoffs so uh we're just continuing to focus on the details and uh trying to go 1 and 0 every week
1: now for those who don't know is there a college football selection committee um and, and what's the playoff format like
4: there is a college uh, selection committee um they do uh there's 2014 playoff and they do a couple playing games they have eight teams that get a, a buy and so there's uh some you know you get a if you win your conference uh, in the certain conferences, you get an automatic bid. So there's a couple different things that go into it and, and the selection part of it. And there's a committee that uh, has their, uh, you know, the things they check off and the boxes they check off to try to determine, uh, you know, who goes in and who, who gets left home. And so that's why it's important if you can control your own destiny and uh, win your conference, then you can punch a ticket in. So that's what we're focusing on. And does that give you guys a buy then? That, that would hopefully give us a buy yep
1: okay and it's not neutral fields right so you'd actually get home games as long as, as you keep winning if you're if you're the higher seed
4: correct correct yep that's how it goes so you uh, it's a big obviously a big thing if you can get a home game obviously a big deal if you can get a buy it is a gauntlet that you got to go in you know uh, if you don't get a buy you're looking you got to have another uh, basically another season you got to win five games. Uh, you know, at the end of the day to get to that national championship. So it's a, uh, it's a big deal. Uh, if you can get a buy and then obviously playing at home, everyone loves playing at home. Outstanding. Hey coach, you Gino,
2: Gino Bacola here. Uh, I, I know hey, that um, Nick Miller has had some success. I know that was one of Mike's clients. And since yep. then the last four or five years, I was reading this great article. Um, you guys have really had some good success getting players to the NFL that's got to be something that's that's a really good tool when you go to recruit to be able to use some of these players and say, "Look, you can come here, we can get to the NFL. Have you you know was there anything specific it's the I know with, when it comes to culture, it's the little things, but could you really feel your program change over the last few years because you guys have really become a powerhouse?
4: Yeah, I think there was a shift in momentum I think uh, obviously internally as a Coaching staff and a football program, uh, we felt that uh, through a lot of hard work and some ups and downs, we, the program was heading in the right direction. Uh, we, if we thought if we continue to focus on recruiting and getting the right type of guys, and uh, really having a vision and really attacking that vision, then we thought that we could get enough players in here in this uh, in this type of atmosphere uh, that you know we could start really having success and really sustain success. That's been our Our real goal is, you know, we've had some winning seasons, but it was always followed up by uh, maybe a losing season or a 500 season. So that's really been our main focus is trying to get a a program that on the national level is considered a consistent winner. And so uh, obviously when you get uh, some players in here that get a shot in the NFL, then we get two two guys drafted, um, you know, you start uh, creating a little bit of buzz, and all that buzz is positivity, and so we've been able to run with it. You know,
1: to piggyback off of Gino's question, I mean, the interesting thing to me about it is some of these guys weren't heavily recruited. You know, some of these guys were undersized or, you know, maybe lacked, you know, the the bigger conference speed, if you will. What have you guys done to work with these guys in order for them to reach their fullest potential?
4: I think you have to, when you go and sit down in in a kid's living room, you got to have a vision. And, uh, you know, we focus on our recruiting at this level is... uh, really based more on the developmental side of things. And so you got to kind of see a kid in high school um, that you can't be scared that he's not getting a lot of recruiting attention. If you have a vision on how he fits into what you do, maybe on offense or defense or special teams, um, you know, and then you kind of got to have that vision and you got to attack it. And if you can sell that plan uh, and then they can buy into that, then that's when you see the, the guys like Miles Killebrew, LaShawn Sims that had no offers out of high school uh, really develop uh, spend five years here working their tails off and then getting a ton of playing time. That's the other thing. Early playing time, I think is a big thing for these guys that transition from the small schools into the NFL. They have a lot of reps under their belt. So uh, that's been the key thing, focusing on the developmental vision.
1: No, no, that's, that, that kind of leads me to kind of an age-old age question when it comes to, let's just say, like the NFL draft, for example, right? Do you draft based on we're going to take the best available player on the board, or does an NFL team draft based on need for the team? How do you guys approach it?
4: Um, I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. It's a needs thing, um, but then we gotta, we got to, you know, being in the SDS level, when you look at the recruiting, every kid that's competitive Uh, They're really trying to hone in on trying to get uh, the highest level of competition scholarship they possibly can. So uh, for us, we don't necessarily uh, get the first pick uh, uh, when it comes to uh, offers and things like that. If we had an offer to a kid and say he got two Mountain West offers, then we're probably going to have to start looking in another direction. That's the reality for us. And so, for you know, we got to kind of do a little bit of both. If we need a, a needs thing, then we might have to go look for more of a mature uh, guy that might be coming out of junior college that's a little bit more developed already. But uh, we can't fill our whole roster up with guys like that. We have to have guys that have the you know we have the vision in there for them, and we 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 are more looking at uh, their future maybe a year or two down the line compared to coming in and being a true freshman and contributing right away. You, you know, oh, go ahead, Gina.
2: Uh, one thing I had read too, in which is, you know, it's kind of a positive and a negative. As you mentioned, you got to know the right kind of kids to recruit. But from some of the the articles that I was reading about former students from from the school and from the area, what they liked is they said, you know, I I went there wanting to play football, and there, you know, it's not a party. It, it's not, obviously you can party and you can have fun anywhere you go. But when you when okay. they went there, they went to play football to focus on football, and they said because you know you can stay home, you can have a little fun, or you can work hard. They continue to work hard. And so, to me, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that you guys continue to overachieve. You know, it seems like you're you're recruiting the right kind of kids and you're recruiting the right kind of players who have the drive to want to get to the NFL. That, that's the key. There's plenty of people who have talent, but if you don't want it and you don't put in the reps and the work, they're never going to get there. So I, I think from what I've read, what do you how do you feel that – your, your location and, you know, some of the, the guys that you recruit kind of helps create that, that, that team that you want, that atmosphere where winning is important yep. and working hard is important.
4: Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I mean, it's something that we don't keep uh, hidden. When we go in and recruit kids and we're, we're serious about them and we're sitting down with their mom and dad, we're going to make sure they understand uh, fully uh, what they're getting into, and, uh, you know, if, if we in the early part of the recruiting process, we're going to know if, if that kid's the right type of kid or not. I mean, uh, they have to be interested, like you said, in going to school and playing football, and there's uh, ways to have fun out here, um, but it's just a smaller community, so uh, those uh, type of distractions are, are much, li- much more limited, and I think that's, uh, like you said, I think that's a positive for us, so as long as our – the kids that we're recruiting, you know, we're up front about that. They understand that. They get that feel when they come on their recruiting trip. But the main thing we're able to provide, and uh, because of that atmosphere, is uh very family-oriented. We're very close with our players. Um, you know, the, the player-coach relationship is uh, thriving, I think, because of that. And we're a part of these guys' lives because we see them on an everyday basis. not a big city. And uh, so we're around their lives a lot. They're around our lives, our families. And so it kind of becomes this atmosphere where – everyone really cares about each other and obviously i think that's a a recipe for uh winning
1: outstanding well hey can you join us for one more segment aaron of course sure okay well we're up against the clock for the next commercial break so we will be back in a minute and a half we are with coach aaron fernandez southern utah university football having a great season we'll be right back please stay with us
0: At 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Get ready for the get down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players
3: and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to mike at show.com Now, back to this week's program.
1: Mike Abadir and Gino Bacola chatting it up with Coach Aaron Fernandez from Southern Utah University. Football, they are having an outstanding year. We're talking everything from recruiting to their upcoming big game. And let's start with that, uh, Coach. Uh, what's the game day preparation, a game day approach like as you head into a big game this weekend? Um, kind of walk us through, you know, what's the practice schedule like? What's the... Well, even uh, if you
2: can, elaborate a little bit more, even for someone like me. What's what's your week like? Like, what's the normal week like each day? Kind of give us a little bit of an overview.
4: Okay. Uh, well, on Sunday, obviously, that'd be after the game. Um, you know, we come in and that's when kind of as coaches, uh, we, we get on the game film and then really all we're, we're focusing on cleaning things up, corrections, um, and uh, we don't, you know, our players, they, they, we don't see them on Sunday, so that's, that's their day doing their thing. So as coaches, we'll come in, get that stuff done. Um, usually, it's not too long of a day. Get out of here mid-afternoon, go see our families, um, and then... Uh, come Monday, uh, that's the day that's big. About it's kind of I think most I think it's probably pretty similar most staffs. But that's when you kind of really get going. Uh, game plan. Obviously, guys jump on it Sunday night, and then Monday's a big game plan day. You're game planning for your next opponent, um, and then uh when you see your players that day, that's more of just a you're going to review the game that you that you played. Uh, you don't you don't practice anything, or we don't practice anything like that on Monday. Uh, So that's how we approach those first couple days early on in the week where we put the final game uh, that we just played to bed. And then uh, come Tuesday, uh, we'll meet with our players. We'll hand out the scouting report. And then really how we kind of view it is Tuesday and Wednesday are big work days. Uh, So obviously as coaches and the coaching staff, we have our meetings and uh, our individual meetings. Uh, And then we get with our players and start to focus on the game plan for that next opponent. And so you do that Tuesday. You do that Wednesday. And then uh, so those are your big work days. We call those work days, big workloads, uh, higher reps. And you're really uh, focusing on kind of ironing out the details for this next opponent. And then once you start getting into the tail end of the week on Thursday, uh, call that Fast Thursday. That's just a crisp practice. Um, you know, anything from, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday that you're focused on cleaning up, you focus on that day, clean it up. It's a quick practice, not a lot of reps. You're in and out. And, uh, you're really just trying to have a, a, you know, a couple game scenario situations and you execute those and then you get out of there. Friday's like a walkthrough day. Uh, you have dinner with your team, things like that. Um, where we have a couple speeches, things like that. And everyone does it a little bit different. And then, uh, and then Saturday, Do your pregame meals and get ready to
1: roll. That's good stuff. And is there any extra emphasis on a game like this weekend? Or do you guys try to keep it, like you said, want to know every opponent's the same, every opponent is just as worthy of of 100% attention to detail? And how do you keep things loose and relaxed, Uh especially before everybody knows it's a big game?
4: I think that's important that you approach it that way. Um, ob- obviously, every team ha- is going to be a little bit different, and every team proposes different challenges in, in every facet of the game. Um, but for you on your on your side, uh, part of this you know this game is you got to focus on what you do, and it is about you a lot of the time. So you, you really just. Uh, like you said, we we do have the one and zero approach. I think that that probably gets thrown out a lot. You hear a lot of people talk that way, but I do think it's the best way, and it's the way we've been able to have success. Is uh, we got to give credit where credit's due. Focus on what were the challenges that that opponent uh, that you're facing that week uh, brings to the table, and then uh, then you focus on how you how, how you do and what you guys do to to accompany those things and challenge that team in those ways. Um, and, that, and that's kind of how we do it every week. So yeah.
1: I'm not trying to create any bulletin board material here, but do you guys have like a, a hated rival or, 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 or a heated, let's just say a heated rival, uh, a rival where you're like, you know what? We got to beat these guys.
4: Well, in the big sky, you get to, you have two rivals that you play every year. So we have a 13 team league and that those teams are going to rotate every year. And then, but every, every year though, no matter what the rotation happens, you'll play your two rivals for us. It's Weaver state and NAU. So, uh, those are what uh, is our considered our rivalry games, and there's trophies on the line for those games. So, uh, those are our two uh, rivals per se.
1: And there's some regional proximity. I'm sure there's some recruiting, uh, you know, uh, yep. advantages to winning that game.
4: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, we're we're talking to a lot of the same kids uh, as far as recruiting goes. Uh, you tend to know uh, people on uh, the staff, obviously, from uh, you know working in a close proximity. Um, so all the things that come with the rivalry game make it a good game, which is which is awesome. That's what college football's about.
1: Yeah. and I'm back to recruiting for a quick second here. If you could explain to the audience and, and to to Gino and I the difference in terms of the caliber caliber of athlete, let's just say in the Big Sky versus the Big tw- uh, the Pac-12, for example.
4: Okay. Um, yeah. I think um, you know. I think definitely in this day and age, the gap is narrowing a little bit, but. Uh, I think it, you have to look at it a little bit more position specific. I think when you're looking at Power Five conferences, um, when you look at some certain positions, uh, they obviously you know they they get the cream of the crop per se. Uh, they're getting uh, guys and athletes that are uh, very well developed at a young age. Um, you know when you look at it and you go off all the, the whether you you know put a lot of weight in it or not the rivals and the scouts you know the five stars and the four stars. Um, a lot of those kids are getting national recognition for a, a reason. So I think like a, a big, it's big in the position at the O-line position. Um, I think when you look at some of the quarterback positions and the skill positions, you can see a, a little bit of a difference. But I think where the, the gap is really narrowed is in the skill positions. You, we do see a lot of guys, uh, whether it's because of some of the transfer rules moving forward or guys really focused on trying to get early playing time opportunity for the NFL. Um, you know, you see – Players uh, every week that I, I assume could be playing in a, in a lot of conferences. I think that's a big thing that pops out. Um, so I think it's kind of looking at it from a position-specific standpoint. When you look at a Power Five compared to a Big Sky, that's where you're really going to find the differences. Um, but you know, we're, we're littered with really good athletes and speed, and, and uh, that's the beauty of the recruiting game and finding those guys that are uh, uh, hidden gems and not talked about a lot and things like that.
1: Boy, that's got to feel good when you when you kind of strike gold with somebody, find that you know diamond in a rough, so to speak, uh, where everybody was maybe given somebody a uh, an undeserving grade or or a inaccurate grade, and, and you pluck somebody out, give them the right coaching, you know, the right training regimen, and it turns out to be a really good player. That's got to feel really, really good.
4: It does. It does. That's that's it. That's kind of what you're uh, you're working so hard on is recruiting, making phone calls, and uh, trying to obviously you know part of our job is judging character and and uh, obviously trying to find guys that are the right fit and for some reason it might not be the right fit for some schools but it is the right fit for us and uh when those guys work out and have uh, you know outstanding careers and really not just even athletically when they go on and do something big in in the in the other world that they've been uh, you know working hard on in the academic side or they'll go be a doctor or whatever it may be those are the those are the cool stories for sure
2: you know Aaron I kind of have a an, an opinion, and I would would love to hear your thoughts on it. To me, it seems like with a, a program like you, like yours, um, when you're not necessarily getting the top tier of guys, and that's for a multiple for for many reasons. Maybe it, guys who have have struggled injuries, um, as you mentioned, maybe they they want to be in a certain different place, whatever their their mindset is. But to me, it seems like with with when you guys are when you're able to recruit some of your players, there are probably a lot of times players that have had to work even harder already to get to where they are because they might not be the biggest or the most naturally talented. It's got to um, it's got to be nice when you're coaching a group of guys that are like that. And, and I think kind of piggybacking on that to the next level, when you have these kids in, can you tell by their work ethic and say this this kid feels like an NFL kid?
4: Yeah, I think I think part of that comes when when they kind of hit their maturity curve in college and um they know they they maybe just finished their sophomore year and they and they're getting into those uh you know the the real you know I think when you're looking at uh, a college kids film especially from um a smaller school uh, as the league's looking at it they got to have really big junior and senior years um so I think there is a moment and we've had some of those moments with our guys where uh, we, we just see him growing so rapidly in, 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 in the program, in our program, and uh, responding to the weight room very well. And then making plays early at an early age. Um, there is kind of that you start to have that thought and that vision, uh, like, uh, and this kid could be something special." And uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of scouts probably coming around looking uh, at this kid. And then that's when you kind of really start to know that they're interested. Is you know, through that junior year and based on the type of year that he's having. We start to see the scouts around the offices more and more. So it starts to confirm a little bit of that. Uh, But I think there is always that moment for a kid in our program where we do start to talk about uh, this kid could could have a future playing football at the next level for sure. You
1: know, and, and, you know, kind of, uh, on the same lines as what Gino just, uh, kind of brought up. I see it all the time, you know, at the NFL level where, you know, even going back to a player that, uh, you and I both obviously know very well, uh, former client of mine, Nick Miller, who Gino brought up at the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, that year I remember distinctly, you know, Nick and uh, another client of mine, both were on the Raiders as rookies during the same year. And the other client is Louis Rankin. And, um, You know, he wasn't necessarily a small school prospect. He was from uh, University of Washington, but they both were undrafted free agents and came in. And I just remember thinking, you know, these guys are kind of up against it a little bit because, you know, they used draft picks on Darren McFadden and and wide receivers and, you know, Lou as a running back. And these guys came in and really, really busted their butt. And, you know, I see it year in, year out where the guys that come from the smaller schools that are going up against the guys that are coming in from Alabama and high draft picks. It seems like they're a little bit hungrier. They're a little bit, they kind of know that they're kind of up against it a little bit and they work a little bit harder. And it's not a surprise to me at all being in the business for as many years as I have seeing guys, you know, that are rounds four through undrafted free agents succeed over guys who are first, second, and third rounders. It's unbelievable.
4: Yeah, man, I think that that chip on the shoulder, it exists. And, uh, you get those guys that are hungry for that and really, you know, nothing's going to uh, deny them from that. And, and then a lot of those guys have that at a, at a really young age as well. I mean, uh, I grew up with Nick. We, we played the same high school. I'm only a year older than him, so we played a lot of football together. He was, he's been like that since I've known him, you know. So I think he, he just he, those guys carry that on and they keep that chip on their shoulder throughout any process. and Whatever room they step in or whatever team they get put on, uh, they're going to do their darndest to... Make sure that they're uh, they're they're noticed, you know. Absolutely, and you know the
1: thing is, it's like it's like anything in life where if you go in um, where things are kind of handed to you, you may take it for granted a little bit. Whereas if you have to work a little bit harder, it kind of is a little bit more meaningful, you know. And okay. and also the other thing too is they're a little bit more resilient. You know, there's no you never hear about a, a late rounder being a bust because they're a late rounder. Their expectations weren't quite there, right? Where uh, so they're they're more resilient in that if they've been cut once or twice and then they latch onto to an opportunity at another, with another ball club and they're in a different system, you know, you could tell that they they're kind of a little more battle tested. You, you know what I mean?
4: Yep. Yep. Definitely. And, uh, uh, I, I think, think it prob- you know, I think that's ahead. part of it too. Like I said, I think when you get uh, the battle tested part of it, I think a big thing is getting reps under your belt. And that's, that's, I think a, a part of uh, why those small school guys do eventually make a, make an impact in the league is, um, they do. They do play a lot of football. I think that's a benefit.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're we're coming close to a, the close of the show here, and uh, you know, first of all, I just wanted to Gino and I both thank you for joining Thanks us. Thanks a uh, lot, man. Great job. Absolutely. Thanks you're you're, you're so polished. I appreciate yeah, it. you're so polished on the air, and and I, I see big things coming for you. For you, you're a great coach. Um, I was telling Gino yesterday, you know, vastly underrated. You know, you guys fly a little bit under the radar, but hopefully. You know, you guys keep winning and, and have a good playoff run and, and that'll change for the good for you. And it'll open up eyes to your program and to your entire coaching staff and, and specifically to you because I'm you know a friend of yours, root for you and, and want to see you guys succeed and want to see you personally succeed. So uh, for those who kind of want to follow along, uh, maybe if you could give out social media handles and, um, you know, maybe how they can watch uh, the upcoming game this weekend and things of that nature.
4: Yeah, so uh, to follow SU football, it's at SUUFB. Um, they, that's the game tracker that'll give you highlights, updated highlights, updated tickers uh, throughout the game. Um, I'm at Coach A Train ninety nine, and then uh, obviously hashtag T Bird Nation. And uh, shout out to all T Bird Nation.
1: Outstanding man, you killed Thank it. Thank you, Aaron. I want to see you guys kill it this weekend and make a good playoff run. And maybe we could chat about it a little bit later on down the road when you guys are champions.
4: Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Gino, appreciate
1: it. All right, Coach. Excellent. Awesome. Best awesome. of luck.
4: Bye-bye. Thank you.
1: Thank you. You know, I love that interview because it's just uh, very raw, very real. Didn't hold back. Just gave it the way it is, G.
2: No, he's great. And, and you got to – those are the guys that make up a football team. They're not all a uh, Tom Brady quarterback, you know what I mean? It's not all about your – and Tom Brady wasn't a first-round pick, but it's not all about the sexy quarterbacks, you know, and it's the guys that are in between the, uh, the trenches that make it up. And, Mikey, we got to do a little housekeeping, though, right? Next weekend, because of Thanksgiving, there will not be a show, correct? Correct. So we'll pick a best of,
1: and we wish you guys all a very happy holiday, a blessed holiday. Enjoy your time with the family. Make the sure day to get to iTunes. And- leave us exactly. a
2: review, a five-star rating. We'll be back in a few weeks, um, and we're going to have some contests and some giveaways during December for the Christmas season. So more to, more to come about that in a few weeks.
1: Outstanding. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Have a blessed Thanksgiving.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.